0: Welcome to Adapt Nation, the podcast that dives into all things self optimization and self discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katarzy, and today you are in for a right treat as we have the marvelous Jacqueline Dunn on the mics for this episode. Look, it's easy to lose your mind or get into some pretty dark funks these days due to the craziness and life-altering effect of the COVID-19 pandemic and global response. The thing is, as you get intimate with the data, science and evidence, there's a good chance you'll start to grow cynical of the whole affair. That concern can turn to despair, especially as the majority of the public are willingly going along with this prolonged suppression of our civil liberties and the government playbook seems to have no end in sight. Many people feel trapped and without power to direct their future. I know I have been feeling that way. Without like-minded people to speak to, it can sometimes feel like you're Jack Nicholson from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Lucky for us all though, there are people in the UK who have been bold and courageous during this time. They've dug deep into the science, the data, and the politics, and they have had the bravery to speak openly about their concerns and what they are learning. Jaclyn Dunn is one such person. Her bravery didn't go unnoticed because overnight she went from being an unknown on social media to having 121,000 followers, all due to one Facebook Live video where she spoke her truth. Clearly people were hungry for the opportunity to call BS on the lockdown situation and the media shitstorm. storm. Jacqueline, a holistic health practitioner and author by trade is one gutsy and smart lady. She put it all on the line to lead during this crisis, to bring some hope and sanity to proceedings. And look, I've been in the same boat too, as I'm sure you're all aware, but there was something therapeutic and calming about this conversation. A chance to release my frustration about the whole COVID-19 response with someone who sees what I see. As you would expect, we cover so much And if you have an open mind, I'm pretty sure you will get a lot of value out of this discussion. As always, you can check out the full show notes of this chat by clicking the link within the description of this episode. And if this discussion resonates with you, please help others find our show by leaving a five-star rating or review in your podcast app or tagging us in a screenshot in Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Lastly, if you want to take your personal growth to the next level, check out the Be Your Best Self-Optimization Journey, which is an online self-improvement program like no other, letting you into the human code and helping you realize your full potential and to be your best. You can find more details and podcast listener discounts in the episode notes. Okay, without further delay, I hope you enjoy my deeply satisfying and therapeutic conversation with Jacqueline Dunn as we discuss COVID-19 truth-seeking, the UK lockdown mess, and concerns with vaccines. Hey Jacqueline, it is so good to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Oh, so excited to have this chat. You know what, I haven't known about you for very long, just a couple of months, but I'm so glad I found you, you know, you've brought... You brought me hope in a relatively hopeless time. I'm quite an enthusiastic, positive individual, but I just felt that people were willingly walking off the side of a cliff over the last few months And your leadership.
1: Absolutely. Um, And you know that I, that's the messages, that's the kind of crux of the messages that I get, and that's what gives me the strength to carry on, because as you can imagine, there's a little bit of negativity that goes on. Um, but when you get the messages saying, I, you know, I was on the verge of giving up. I'd completely lost hope. Um, I'm so happy to find like-minded people on your page. Um, that's what makes me just keep soldiering on.
0: And soldier on, you should. I mean, your leadership has been exemplary, and we're going to get into all of that. Um, but what I found most fascinating is that when I did find your page, and you 120 odd thousand people, um, you can have loads, loads of followers. You don't necessarily have lots of engagement the engagement on your page is an example of how, for me, people are not, not everyone is hypnotized by the mainstream media messaging as it relates to COVID-19. And to see hundreds and thousands of likes and shares for me was just, it was the encouragement I needed at that time. It gave me some hope that actually not everyone is completely blindsided. There are people that see, see something differently. So thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Oh,
1: that's fine.
0: So um, what I'd like us to do, considering I think the pivot or the action that you've taken over the last few months has been so exemplary and something I think we all can learn from and understand a little bit more, I'd like us to explore that. So, I mean, before we kind of get into your story, could you have ever imagined this year? Gap that you decided to fill with your leadership? I mean, would you have ever expected to be doing what you're doing and being on this show talking about this kind of stuff?
1: No. Well, you know, before this whole situation, I was kind of doing this kind of stuff anyway, just without such a huge audience. So I was already talking about a little bit of corruption that goes on, mainly in the pharmaceutical industry, government. Um, I was already kind of spreading the word about free thinking and looking outside the box and questioning everything. Um, I've done a couple of podcasts. I've been on Ben Coomer's podcast and um, I've written a book. Um, so I was kind of just getting my word out there, slowly but surely, largely falling on deaf ears a lot of the time. Um, and I think it was a c- kind of perfect... Storm. Everything, the stars must have aligned the day that I decided to do my um, Facebook Live. Um, I do Facebook Lives all the time. I've got a business page. I've got a, a group on Facebook. Then I've got my personal page. I rarely do Facebook Lives on my personal page. Um, but because I was getting so annoyed with this situation, I thought, you know what? I think people need to hear this and I'm going to share it. Um, and I did. Then took the dog for the walk, come back and had half a million views. Oh, my <laughs> then- gosh it was that quick (laughs) had messages from around the world and woke up the next day a million views next day two million views (laughs) um and I hadn't even thought to check my followers and it was only when um somebody who uh, is a business coach that I've used before messaged me and said oh amazing I'm so pleased for you that finally people are listening to what you've got to say um and 120,000 followers and I was like "What?" what
0: what was where was you at prior to that video on a follower's perspective I
1: didn't really I probably had like a thousand um because I oh mean um, I had Um, On we had a business page on Facebook, which probably had a couple of thousand followers. We had our private group on Facebook, um, which, again, had a couple of thousand followers. um, And I had a couple of thousand on Instagram, (laughs) even though I'd written a book that had been number one in its category on Amazon. um, And I'd really been plugging away at this for the best part of seven years, really. It just goes to show the power of social media. So for all its faults, it's been incredible. Because it's been, it's enabled me to get my message far and wide.
0: That is amazing. Because I only found you a couple of months ago, I didn't know how stark the growth has been for you. So that has (laughs) just been been incredible.
1: Right. But when, when people talk about, you know, uh, uh, overnight success, never, ever underestimate what goes on behind the door, the closed doors of that person plugging away for years yeah. before that with nothing. And they just keep going. Um, and the reason that we keep going is because we believe in what we're doing and saying. So I didn't mind if one person was li- listening or 100,000 was listening. I was going to keep going because I believed in the message. So I'm, I'm really glad I did. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's, that That requires courage and strength in its own right to know that um, you say great things, but not often many people hear it. I mean, I mm-hmm. think most people in the space of trying to do something different, you know, express their truth, you know, set up something that not many others are doing, or maybe they're walking into a, a busy space. But that starting phase of a business can be really tiring and fatiguing when you you, you have Pride in what you do, but so few people get to hear it, see it, and engage with it. And I'm I'm just really happy for you that you've now got an audience to express, you know, your point of view and your truth. So let's get into that. Let's get into that a little bit before we kind of talk about you know walking into the (laughs) into the fire pit, you know, into this hostile environment of extreme tribalism on the issue of COVID risk. Let's maybe get the start the, the the conversation started a little bit more formally, just a little bit about you. So five, 10 minutes, give us a shortish scene set on your health journey and your career journey and how it got you to this point.
1: Okay. So, um, I was an accountant about mm, 10, 15 years ago. Um, so yeah, ten years ago as an accountant, and um, I'd done that for about twelve years. Um, didn't particularly like it. Never ever experienced a job, a day's job satisfaction in my life in accountancy. But you know what it's like. You just leave school and then you. I started work because I didn't get into the uni that I wanted to. So I thought I'd just take a job. And before you know it, you're earning a bit more money. And then I'd done a few exams and I got qualified and I was earning a bit more. And I've got a mortgage and I've got kids. And you just push down this road and you're pushed down it for all the wrong reasons. And it was only um, when I went through a huge traumatic experience of losing my mum and dad in the same week That pushed me to completely change my life. So um, in uh, 2013, my um, mum, who had been ill for 10 years with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, um, passed away at the age of 64. And that was on a Monday. And five days later, my dad, um, who uh, my mum and dad hadn't been together for 30 years, they'd been divorced, um, he passed away from a heart attack and stroke at the age of 64. Both of them died from diet and lifestyle related conditions. Um, My mum had made some really poor choices in terms of smoking, not really looking after herself, never making herself a priority. As a lot of mums do, I must add. Um, And then my um, dad was a long distance lorry driver, sedentary, um, stopping at greasy spoon cafes for his lunch and um, ended up having heart attacks and stroke. Um, so both of them died, if you really think about it, from diet and lifestyle related choices. And that was a w- real wake up call for me because there I was, I was 35 at the time, and I had just lost both parents in a s- less than a week. And that it was completely unnecessary, and at that time I had an autoimmune condition myself. I had something called pernicious anemia, so my body wasn't um, making enough B twelve for me, and I was on medication. And it was a bit of a slap around the face. Like you need to sort yourself out. That's your genes, and yes, um, genetics loads the gun, and they pulled the trigger. But are you going to pull the trigger too? What are you going to do about it? So initially, my journey into health and well being was for myself. Um, I wanted to make myself better. Um, and at that time it was probably a distraction from grieving. Um, started to study hypnotherapy initially, believe it or not, because I really didn't have the best mindset at that point, as you can imagine. And I done a hypnotherapy course. And six months into hypnotherapy, they we we did hypnotherapy for weight management. And I came out of that course thinking, I really want to know more about nutrition, because if you're going to help somebody with their weight, you need to be able to help them with how they're eating as well. Um, So then I took an online nutrition course, which was just kind of like a level five diploma but I loved it so much. That's when I realized this is what I need to know. This is what I want to learn more about. Um, so the minute I finished my, um, hypnotherapy course and the online nutrition course, I then went on to a proper nutritional therapist course with Patrick Holford. Um, after that, I've just become a lifelong learner. I think this is a subject that you have to be a lifelong learner in because it's ever evolving, ever changing. Um, also, I, I found that I prefer much more the holistic side of things than the kind of scientific. So not so much performance, nutrition, more healing and he- health um, and well-being. And that's when I went to study with Paul Cech. Um, since then, I've gone on to do a lot. Of different courses in supplements, herbs, homeopathy. I'm starting one in October with um, Dr. Kushmark in London, which is the Integrative School of Nutrition and Homeopathy. Um, I'm just obsessed with it because you can never know too much in this subject. Um, so that's that's kind of got me into there. It and it's it's helped me to heal myself. I'm not, I don't have an autoimmune condition that's active anymore. I've not been on medication for about five years now, um, and and then I've I've obviously continued to help other people. Great story. Uh, I, I wrote my book, um, wrote my book in uh, 2017, which was kind of my journey from accountant to, um, holistic health coach and all of the different tools I used to get there. Um, and that went to number one on Amazon about the same week it was released, which was incredible. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. I dedicated my book to my mum, and I said, I had to lose you to find me, Mm. um, which is absolutely true. Um, sometimes that is the case.
0: Do you. Do you feel that you've got the work-life balance down? I mean, you, you love what you do. It sounds like you're obsessed with the learning in and around your subject. I'm sure you get a lot of joy of supporting and helping others on their own journey. Um, but at the same time, you've got a life to lead. You've got kids. You've got a husband. You've got friends. Do you do you work incredibly hard to the point you don't have that balance? Or have you found a way to navigate you know, being successful and having having a life?
1: I'd be lying if I said to you, yeah, my work-life balance is amazing. I've really got that down <laughs> because it's hit and miss, to be honest. Um, and it just depends, you know, what's going on now with the the, the video, the viral video um, eventually went to like 2.3 million views and I was having two, 300 messages a day at one point. So you can imagine that was incredibly stressful. I was still doing online video calls for clients, the children I was homeschooling. So my children nine and 12. Um, and you're just tearing your hair out, trying to please everyone and pleasing no one all at the same time. Uh, but then there's other times. So I'm really lucky because I work for myself. So I'm able to say, you know what, I'm not going to book any anybody in for the entire month of August and I'm going to spend time with my children. So that's what I mean. It's a bit of a seesaw. And I always throw myself into either one or the other, but there isn't really any balance.
0: (laughs) Do you know what? I I often talk about the pendulum swings, right? From Mm. one obsession to the next, whether it's your kids, your partnership, your work. Um, I don't really think you could be great at anything without allowing that pendulum to swing. Um, And it sounds like that's what you're doing. And you're kind of going with it, you know, going with your intuition and you're following where, where you're needed. Uh, and that's, I think, a great message for everyone to hear. Um, let's let's talk about this, this 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 video. Not so much the video. I'll, I'll link to it, by the way, if I can. Can can you link to this uh, Facebook Live video? Is that possible?
1: Yeah, I can. I can give you a link so you can put it on. Yeah,
0: sure. I, I have seen it, but if we can get a link into the show notes, that'd be great. But you put this out when when was it roughly?
1: Uh, probably about fourteen weeks ago. So it was just as we went into lockdown.
0: Okay, so kind of mid ed, end of March. Yeah. Okay. All right. What had motivated you to do that? Uh, Especially considering uh, there's a lot of risks, right? Because people weren't, I think the the sentiment is constantly evolving and changing. But at that time, that was high risk, because friends, family and people you know, must have got really upset, I I guess, about your willingness to basically call it a BS on some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, so you have to remember that I was already in a place where I was already calling a bit of BS so not that kind of stuff. Um, I'd already questioned a lot of stuff. So um, my family knew my stance on it, so there was no shocks there. Right. My friends were quite like-minded because um, when I originally spoke out um, – years ago, I'm sure we'll come to this, about my stance on vaccines, Um, I lost a lot of the friends that weren't like-minded. So I'd already kind of found my tribe in a way, even that's grown exponentially now. But um, at that time, I wasn't really thinking about the risk. I just was thinking about helping people to understand that there may be a little bit more that we need to think about and question. And when you sit down to do a Facebook Live, I've done, because I've got all these pages on Facebook, it wasn't my first ever Facebook Live. I've done hundreds of them. Um, and, you know, you don't sit down and think, well, wow, this one's going to go viral. Let's go for it. You just set, share your message and hope for the best. Um, so, you you don't think about the risk that you may be putting yourself under. And my sister actually said to me, once you got to a million views, you've just made yourself a massive target. I was like, oh gee, thanks for the positivity. <laughs>
0: have you had have you had a lot of backlash?
1: Um, initially, yes. Um, initially I would say it was probably about 75% positive, 25% negative. Um it was hard at first and it caused me, I'd be, I'll be honest and say it caused me quite a bit of anxiety because people like to be liked. And if all of a sudden you're getting a lot of messages in your inbox with a threatening undertone and telling you that you're crazy and you deserve to have your kids taken away from you, that's a little bit difficult to take. But as time passes, you, I start. I started to realise very quickly that there's only a real small handful of people in my life that I should care about what think about me. The rest of them, it doesn't really matter that much and it shouldn't hurt that much. It's only really a really tiny proportion of people. So I'm not going to say I don't care what people think about me. I only care about what a real small select few think about me. Um, And it took me a while to get there once the anxiety had kind of worn off and I felt comfortable with what had been created Um, then I came to terms with the fact that not everybody's going to like my message, but that's okay. Um, I spoke my truth. It's not anybody else's truth. I'm not forcing people to believe what I'm saying. I'm just showing them an alternative viewpoint. If they can't accept that, they don't have to, that's fine. If they want to get defensive about it, that says way more about them than it will ever say about me, I'm afraid.
0: Yes. Well said. Well said. And I think that, 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 idea of being okay with people not agreeing with you whether it's aggressively or otherwise uh, and not uh, and judging you or, or thinking things of you I know that's difficult for most people I, I do see generally it's more difficult for women because women have been brought up in you know generationally through lots of judgment around how they look and how they should be and what they should do there's lots of um, implied judgment and I think lots of women struggle with of that vulnerability of what people think of them. So it's, it's kind of made even worse that, you know, you've got that to contend with, but it sounds like you've gone through that journey of going, actually, where, where does the judgment matter? And how can I, how can I be a bit more resilient to the fact that not everyone's going to be on the, my same page and actually not necessarily hate them or want bad for them, but say, that's okay. That's where you're at. You're doing the best you can with what you have. And what you have right now is, you know, a different frame of mind than I have. And that's Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. have you been able to get to that, or do you think actually, uh, yeah, these have, people are, whatever?
1: I think that um, it's, it is a it is a strong realization to have, and it's not something that you st- you stick in you you'll you'll dip in and out of that because it will always throw you when you get negativity, but you just get a little bit stronger and better at, at dealing with that. But it's just so crazy that we can't have different viewpoints without arguing. And I was speaking in my private group about this on Sunday, and I said to them. You know, you don't go to a restaurant and say to somebody, what are you ordering? Because I'm ordering chicken and they say steak. And you say, well, that's outrageous. You're not ordering the same as me. How dare you? I mean, it, you're, I'm putting it in really simplistic terms, but it's that's what it is. Some people can do different things to you. They can think different things to you. You don't have to fall out over it. So um, you know, everybody's got their own map of the world. Um, and I do, I do feel like everything that's happened to me in my life especially in the last 10 years has kind of been training to get me through this time Mm -hmm. Um, you know having the animosity that I've had around vaccinations and falling out with friends and having to explain to family my decisions it kind of stood me in good stead for the things I've faced recently and I've been much better at coping with it because I've got a lot of friends uh, uh, this is one of the other lovely things that's happened I've made friends with a lot of people that are also in this kind of Um, truth environment on on social media and um, we are on a whatsapp group and we're always sharing oh my god I've got this troll this is happening and um, they they struggle a little bit more than me I am a little bit older so I wonder if that has something to do with it but I also think it's because I've been going through this for a little bit longer and I've been got used to handling it
0: yeah I mean you're you're so right tribalism right now is just it feels like it's at an all-time high um, I, I was speaking to a guy called Dave Cottrell. It hasn't released yet. It'll be out shortly. But he um, he speaks about the shrinking middle ground. Uh, everyone wants it's, it's binary now. Right? It's either you support Brexit or you don't. Right? That was quite binary. But everything else has been placed into a binary context. You either are in this camp or you're not in this camp. You're either vegan or you're not a vegan. And I'm going to blame and and shame you for your lack of wokeness and. I'm getting tired of it. I really am that we can't have nuance that you and I might agree with 70% of the things in, 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 in each of our own lives, but there'll be some stuff that we completely disagree on. But I shouldn't therefore dislike you. But I find that that's the context that we're being kind of fallen into, especially on social media, because it has to be so black and white.
1: And also divide and conquer has long been one of the top methods used to gain control. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that now they're trying to, when I say they, I'm talking about establishments, mainstream media, government, they're trying to make this current situation very black and white and there is nothing black and white about this current situation. There is so much gray area. Um, and that's, what's creating the division.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, I know um, there are several people that talk about divide and rule and, you know, mm-hmm. there have perhaps been some motivations to support this level of animosity to people. We may touch on that in a little bit, but I, I want to just double-click a little more. So you're clearly a bit of a black sheep, right? You know, there's no, <laughs> no, no, two, ways to, no two ways to put it with the vaccine <laughs> stuff and, you know, the holistic stuff and the naturopathic stuff. It's definitely not mainstream, right? You're quite no. a contrarian, to to put it politely. How, how are you what 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 is it about you that makes you okay being different and therefore getting a lot of judgment uh you know she might she's a bit of a weirdo uh, do you know what i mean that there, there's so many alternative perspectives people will have of someone who is so non mainstream in her think in her thinking what is it about your personality that allows you to be a black sheep and be okay with that
1: Because I think that I'm supposed to be. So uh, I'll elaborate on that. When I was not of this thinking, so go back to the days of me being an accountant, working in the city, fitting in with all of the friends that I had at that point, I was extremely uncomfortable. And I never felt like I had found my tribe. I felt like I could be alone in a room full of people. Um, And I always tried really hard to fit in. So I would do stuff to fit in, you know, that could be designer clothes, designer shoes, breast implants, even the, I was, I was desperately trying to fit in to something that clearly wasn't me. And it is absolutely exhausting trying to be somebody that you're not. So the minute that you have realizations that this is not you, you are somebody else and honor that, be who you are and your tribe will come and they do it takes time but they do that is what's so liberating and uplifting and the exhaustion completely evaporates so although people say it must be tiring and it must no it's more tiring to try and be someone that you're not to try and fit in where you don't actually fit in to be a square peg in a round hole no that's harder for me because I've done I've tried it and I tried it for many years and it actually made me ill
0: Oh, that, that that's beautiful that's beautiful I can see how it's tiring though right because I'm I'm of a similar ilk as in you know anyone who knows me knows I'm a uh, I just, I'm a questioner I question everything I've always done it but I've done it more so in the last two or three years than ever before and for people around me it's tiring for them because nothing is up for grabs nothing is considered truth. Until we fully explored it, and like, oh fuck off, Steve! <laughs> just like, just let me be. Like this is this is fine. I don't need to explore whether there's demons here or there's problems in this or whether I need to look at myself, <laughs> self work, and you know, just just stop. Let's just talk about the weather. <laughs> um, but it is tiring for me, if I'm honest, when you question your, the status quo, when you question everything, not assuming that everything is wrong, just going, I want to really understand if this is true. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find it difficult being I guess, cynical or willing to be a critical thinker, exploring everything, questioning everything. Do you find that draining? Yeah,
1: that bit can be tiring. And I have had evenings where I'm up till two o'clock in the morning down a various rabbit hole <laughs> researching and, and looking at all different kinds of documents that people have sent me. Um, that that can be exhausting because you have to know when to let go of that kind of stuff. And um, And just to say it is what it is, because, you know, there's some there's some things that are so protected in terms of the information around them that and because of the people that are behind them, we're never going to get to the bottom of them at this time. And I guess the truth will out in time. I hope so. But at this time, it's knowing when to let go of that incessant need to know the answer um, because that is the exhausting bit, that incessant need to know. Um, I I have battles that I won't let go of and then I have ones that I'm like, okay, we need to just see how that one runs.
0: Yeah, and hey, there's unlimited information, right? So you can easily go down uh, a maze that you can't get out of, and and you see you see that online, don't you? You see some people that perhaps push some ideas so far that they've never come ostracised. Now that might be a good thing; their time may may come where their their truth is being being spoken and they're seen as a leader. But I also see some people that unfortunately um, they get overtaken by um these ideas that the world isn't the way it is and they kind of yeah. lose themselves in that a little bit
1: yeah and that's what i mean by knowing when to let go of that um it's really important and and even even i i try and be true to myself as pos- as i possibly can depending on who i'm speaking to i may still need to water down the information that i'm giving because not everybody's ready to hear it so that that's that can be difficult as well you know mm. gauging if People. sometimes they'll ask you a question and you have to gauge how you're going to answer that yeah, yeah, because yeah. it can open up a whole can of worms for that person that they're not ready for.
0: And I'm, to be honest, I've done that. You know, I've been, I've been at dinner dates and I've just done a, a steve a Steveism, and I'll just go deep and, and I can see that I'm either losing them or we're probably not going to have a second date. <laughs> <laughs> it. so it's, like, oh, it's too intense. It's too intense. Um, are, you, are you worried about being wrong? Or misleading people. Now, let me let me let me frame that. So you're um, you're speaking out quite a lot at the moment. You're pointing out a lot of posts. You're sharing other people's content. Um, you are, you know, you've got a tone for what you believe to be right around this COVID crisis right now. Um, mm-hmm. Do you worry about yeah being wrong and p- potentially causing more more harm than good in some of the things that you're saying? Does that ever kind of keep you up at night?
1: Um- No, because I don't, I don't have enough of an ego to worry about being wrong. I just, I share the information that resonates with me. A lot of the stuff that I share is factual based. So, you know, I'll share stats as you do, um, so that, you know, that's that's just information that's there for people to see so that they see an alternative narrative to what's being shown in the mainstream. Um, and when people ask me for specific information, so since the video, I've had a hell of a lot of people approach me and ask me, what do you think I should do with my, my children? Should I get them vaccinated? Never would I say to somebody, no, you shouldn't. Because actually I'm informed choice and pro-health. So if that would make me just as bad as a GP, if and i'm talking about the gps that don't give the information out very few and far between do um if they if i was to just say yeah yeah you you shouldn't do it and not provide the evidence that's a big problem because informed choice is about having all of that information and then making it from for yourself rather than being told what to do so i would never tell people what to do and even when even though i'm against say for example mask wearing I'm giving the information as to why I'm against it. People can use that information as they as they wish. They can decide to take it and not wear a mask because they've read that, or they can decide to continue wearing a mask. It's entirely up to them. The key is never to give people instructions of what to do. Just give them the information so that they are able to make an informed choice. And that is really one of my core values in everything I do. So when I work with clients, for example, who are going through cancer, I would never say to them, even though I don't believe it in myself, don't have chemotherapy, I would say to them, these are all the other things that you could look at instead of or as well as uh, use it as a complementary or alternative because we need to have that informed choice and that's something that's not happening allopathically at the moment we are just being told this is what we do and if you don't do that there's no other alternative and that's really sad because as modalities we should be able to work together in unison I certainly know with my clients when I need to be able to refer them to a GP when I there's nothing that I can do to assist them and probably they need to go and see their GP. I would refer them on. That's that's part of being a good practitioner. And the same should work in return. You know, if you're uh, uh, you're sitting in front of a uh, oncologist, for example, and I know this firsthand. I, I went through cancer with my sister two years ago, and I went to her oncology appointments with her. And we asked the oncologist what can we do in terms of diet, only because we wanted to know his 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 answer, how he was going to react. And he said absolutely nothing. Eat what you like, um, and that's wrong. You know why not say go and see speak to a nutritionist um, i'm sure they'll have lots of advice for you but it's not my forte so it's about giving people information that they need and allowing them to use it as they see fit you can't really be wrong in that um there are times um that i've posted things um I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, I posted about a piece of legislation changing and it caused a little bit of an uproar because the way it was described was quite frightening. And then when I... I went through that and done a little bit more due diligence. It wasn't quite as severe as it had been posted in the post that I shared. So I went back the next day and said, Look, I'm just explaining this a bit further. I don't want anyone to get really concerned and worried. But this is how I see it once I've done a bit more due diligence. It's OK to be wrong. That's fine. I haven't got an ego about being wrong. But what's not OK is withholding information from people that could possibly help that it could help them.
0: I totally agree, and I think that that kind of um, perspective and that uh, theme of how you you construct your messaging is bang on. I would say, though, you and I both are, you know, that there is definitely a bias, right? Our bias in our language and how we present information is. I think we're overreacting. I think you know that this this virus is benign for most people. I feel that our lockdowns are too strongly. Um, deployed and the uh, uh, easy known has taken far too long. And there's lots of inappropriateness in how we're being managed and how we're being spoken to. So that's my bias. And I express that, try and express it logically and with factual information like you. But the the, uh, alternate or the rebuttal would be, Steve, you're being inappropriate. One, you could be, you know, you're being Unemotionally sympathetic to other people's frame of mind. Number one and number two, you could be allowing people to get comfortable when there is increasing, you know, existential risk, and it's all your fault for suggesting that Sweden have got it right. Blah 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 blah. So uh, I'm conscious that I'm have I have to pick a lane, and that's mm-hmm. expressing itself in the content I'm sharing. And I could be wrong, but the consequences of being wrong could be catastrophic if I am wrong, as in if loads of people die as a result of you, me, and many others saying, hey, you know, perspective, then would I be okay with that? Now, I feel in my heart of hearts, I'm giving the truth. And 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 that's based on science, data, epidemiology, the studying I've done, everything that I've heard from other people, you know, brilliant minds. That said, there is a risk, right? There is a risk that we could be reading this situation wrong. And I just wondered if that, it makes you feel you know any anxiety that you know you could be on the wrong side of this argument as relates well, like yeah. to COVID. I
1: I I think it's difficult for me to answer that because I wholeheartedly believe that we're not. And <laughs> um and I also think that we need to give some balance as to what's being said in the mainstream. So what's being said in the mainstream and the fear that it's creating is probably causing more psychological damage than the, f- the physical damage that any virus could do so we have a responsibility knowing what we know to offset that a little bit and to say actually let's look at the stats and i'm not posting and neither are you And um, we're not saying there is no virus and go out and have fun and do what you want to do and don't wear a mask and touch and hug everybody even though that might be what we're doing, we're not telling people to to do that. We're saying, look at these stats from the Office for National Statistics. Look at these stats from Public Health England. Look at these stats from the government websites. And we're showing how they contradict the mainstream narrative. So people start to get an idea how this could possibly be blown out of proportion. Giving that information then allows people to make an informed choice. And that's exactly what we all need to be able to do in in this day and age in 2020 we should live in a world where we are allowed to make decisions about ourselves and our health rather than be than being forced upon us and and unfortunately this tyrannical time has has made that happen things are being forced upon us about our health and i actually think we're not even out of second gear in that one
0: i think we are being treated like um like kids, to be honest. I feel that there's there's a lack of respect for people's intelligence. Now, I'm not saying everyone is super intelligent in the world, but I do believe people are able to compute and engage with more complex subjects than the watered down, dumbed down versions we are receiving through the messaging of government and mainstream. I think we give too little respect that people can engage with deeper content. It's just they're being conditioned for sound bites, they're being conditioned for clickbait they're being conditioned for the messages they're receiving and it's 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 saddening for me because i put out more long-form content these podcasts the articles my posts because there's nuance because it is complicated but i respect and Mm. trust the people that are going to receive it are able to compute the information i share and i try and de-science it to some degree but still offer um the confidence that this is scientific this isn't just you know me you know, blowing off hot air. So I, I find it challenging. But, yeah, you're, you're so right. I think people being treated like kids uh, and what's more worrying is people are willing to be treated like kids yep. that can't think for themselves. And that's shocking for me personally. And
1: I, I think that the government have spent an incredible amount of time kind of desensitising us and dumbing us down and... Um, and I've, I've been saying this for a while, even before COVID, um, you know, the distractions in terms of things like Love Island and Instagram and, the, you know, Snapchat and the filters. And we are being distracted to concentrate on things that are so unimportant while all the really important stuff goes on out of our eyesight because we're too distracted with this other stuff. Um, and they've they've spent an incredible amount of time doing that. Conditioning us to that so that when this big stuff rolls around, we are in a place where we're not really paying that much attention or not wanting to know much more because we've got the distractions. Um, I mean, that really is where I've got my tinfoil hat on, I guess.
0: <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. We we are, you're totally right. We are distracted. Um, I've had a podcast with a guy called Near a while who talks about. In being indistractable, and he talks mm. about just how, uh, how distracted we are with the various tools and services that we use today. Um, but his message was more about agency, that you have the choice to be distracted or not distracted, which I think he is right. I think all of us have the choice in what we engage with, what news we flick on, what apps we turn on, how much we engage with social media, you know, how much time we spend with our friends and family, you know, real people, proper conversations. So it is our choice. It's your choice. It's my choice. But at the same time, you know, our, do- our dopamine needs, our kind of neuro- neurological needs, they're being met in these superficial ways. And it's hard to break out of these addictions of, you know, easy information uh, and easy, you know, Easy flicking through stuff. So I think you bang on. And it, it takes away, I guess, the mental capacity in which to engage with more deeper subjects in a way which you and I are doing right now. So um let's let's dig just a little bit deeper there. So let's talk about what you've learned about people during this time. So whether you want to talk about online, whether you want to talk about your friends, where you whether you want to talk about the government officials, whether you want to talk about leaders such as Simon Dolan, like what have you learned about people between March and July 2020.
1: it's been an interesting learning experience I must say um not a hell of a lot has surprised me um so for example with the government the incongruency the inconsistency um the fact that a lot of it is not science-led the fact that it's do as I say not as I do none of that's really surprised me um it's probably surprised others but I've kind of had their number for a little bit longer than most because of my experiences with vaccines um people in general again Again, it hasn't surprised me too much, again, because of the experiences with vaccines. I saw a massive divide with people that follow the mainstream and are very um, believing of everything that they, they hear without question. And then the ones that are quite critical thinkers and want to do research and want to look a bit further. So I've seen that divide for a while anyway. The thing that surprised me the most about people is how easy it has been to control them. I am at, uh, utterly shocked because I thought people respected their freedom. I thought people respected the, the way that we live our lives and uh, would be more willing to fight for that rather than give everything up so easily but then I have said for a very long time fear creates obedience and the minute that fear comes into play then people will become extremely obedient I mean what would you do with a gun to your head pretty much anything and with a, for a lot of these people it's what it must feel like they've got a gun to their head right now all they want is their freedom back they want to be able to get on a plane go on holiday reopen their business see their friends so they're just going to do exactly what they're told to do for as long as it takes and they don't understand the people that are non-conformist if only they realize that the non-conformists the ones that are truthers and are trying to shout from the rooftops what they believe to be really going on are fighting for the very freedom that they are just about to lose forevermore Um, but they don't see it like that. And that's fine. That's their map of the world. But we do need more people to stand up and be heard because until that point, this will continue and continue to get worse.
0: It's actually, I think it's a masterclass, isn't it, in uh, control. Because if if you take a look at what has happened, you know, from mid-March, that ability to lock down the world billions of people maybe not all people but almost all people within a flick of a switch it is incredible like if you talk about if you look through history if you look through (laughs) civilization and the ability to control people this has to rate as one of the greatest successes in ability to get everyone of all walks of life creeds color you know business acumen uh, intelligence socioeconomic status it doesn't matter in in one fell swoop that power that was asserted and willingly accepted um, oh. is it's just mind blowing at the same it time is- i guess
1: is the only word for it really <laughs> is psychological warfare where they persuade change and influence your mind through exactly what they want to push in terms of an agenda it's manipulation it's been used for centuries we've only got to look at things like operation mockingbird um it's been used for a very long time it's old school but this really has your right been an absolute masterclass they are so clever and they are always at least one step ahead um so it's it's been interesting and I understand why you've probably seen people put the hashtag get your popcorn <laughs> because yeah it does feel like that at times right what's gonna happen next <laughs> what are we gonna tolerate next
0: yeah I, I totally agree I think there's there's it, it's just it's mind-blowing to see the willingness but what I actually thought was, was, I guess, the most deceitful, the most manipulative was when I peered through some of the SAGE documentation. I don't know if you've seen these, but um, it was kind of mid to end March. Uh, the SAGE were putting out um, documents and having conversations with the UK government about the lack of adherence to the requests that were being made. And this was, I think, pre-ultimate lockdown, so that you know, some yeah. restrictions were being placed. And they said, it's not working. And you can see the minutes of this uh, of this meeting. It's not Absolutely. working. If you want to get greater control, you're going to have to do several things. Firstly, you're going to need to amplify the fear of the consequences of not following suit. And you're going to need to use mainstream media to do that. So amplify your message through mainstream. Two, ensure that there is shaming or some form of self-policing. You're not going to be able to manage this unless everyone is effectively you know snubbing everyone else out for not mm-hmm. following the rules you're going to have to create a level of self policing um and and thirdly you you need there to be a sense of pride that if you do the right thing you know, you've got a badge of honour that you're helping protect this country, and that was the whole kind of save the NHS thing. It was a masterclass in manipulation, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but the document was there; it's plain to see, and then it followed followed through. It was it was absolutely the playbook they 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 used over the coming two to three months. And that, for me, is sad. That's sad that that's the way you need to manage people, not through intelligence and logical debate and helping us understand there is a real risk and therefore we should comply. It's no, let me manipulate and influence you through these tactics.
1: And, and if this was as drastic and severe as they want us to believe it is, would they need to do that? Would they really need to do that? I don't think they would, because we would be able to see the what's actually happening to people around us in terms of our loved ones and that it would be very real to us. We wouldn't need that kind of information being fed and exacerbated through the news. Um, We wouldn't need those manipulation tactics. We wouldn't need to be keep reminding of the death rates rather than the recovery rates because we would be experiencing it firsthand. And that's that's where the, the government's motivations and tactics come into question hugely mm. um and I, I i said in in the video that i did i said you know uh, in fact the title of the of the of the facebook live was why i don't trust them and 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 they have proved time and time again all the different reasons why you shouldn't
0: it's it's actually it's not just the the government officials right so let's let's just you know let's let's offer some sympathy or so at least some compassion here for a second um, i know it's hard but to to the guys in in charge so if you think about and understand politics right it's all one existential risk right you're trying to manage your political party and your career right your political career every misstep an opportunity to get you out of government and they've dedicated their whole lives to the points uh, and to the place they're at right now and i'm not i'm not supporting that that should therefore change or manipulate your thinking as to what you do and what is right but you have to understand that politics is about protect our party first it really is because if we take the wrong step we've got blood on our hands What's the best thing we can do? The best thing we can do is be considered, being considered as a, a party that are doing the right thing for the people. And if that means that we are, quote unquote, being seen as saviors of saving people's lives by, by taking away their agency and their freedom, at least we won't have blood on our, on our hands. I think there's no easy answer to someone in that position, when you're seeing information from Italy and all around the world that there's issues. I'm not quite sure what I would have done when you saw Neil Ferguson's, you know, hugely overstated worst case scenario. But there are some consequences here to you as an individual and a party. And let's be clear, Boris Johnson would not have had free reign, even if he believed that his herd immunity approach initially was the right way. He's got people all around him, which would be saying, you know, that suicide, that is, you know, that suicide of your career, if you do that, we're not going to let you do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to follow this playbook. This is how it's going to go down. So I guess that's just the alternative narrative, which is they're kind of in an in impossible position. And because they care for their career and their party more than they care for you and I as individuals, I don't think they could have ever played it any other way.
1: No, I guess not. But, you know, you you mentioned Neil Ferguson and and his uh, ridiculous Figures, His but you know, <laughs> and but he—he he is somebody that then went against the lockdown himself, even though he had it, it estimated that the death toll was going to be exponential. I think he said half a
0: million in the UK.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Um, So if he really honestly believed that was the case, would he have risked his life for a booty call? I don't think so. Mm. (laughs) I'm not sure, (laughs) to be honest. So this is what I mean by, you know, incongruent, inconsistent, it's do as I say, not as I do. Um, I'd have far more respect for the government and the lockdown if everything had been a little bit more consistent. Uh, But even the what it tells us mo- mainly a lot more about their thinking about how they're reopening the world than it does about how they locked it down because the reopening has just been crazy with n- no kind. It's nonsensical. Of There's there no is. science to back it at all. Um, And even today, today we've, we've had noticed. So yesterday they said that um beauty salons were going to open again, but today they've said they can open. Uh, but you can you can trim beards, but not eyebrows.
0: <laughs> really, I haven't heard that. <laughs> yes.
1: So and this and last week we had the legis- legislation about weddings and fathers can't walk their daughters down the aisle, but they can walk down the aisle in Tesco's or ASDA together. You know. <laughs> it's just, There's absolutely no consistency, and that's where they lose so much respect. So I understand that they're backed into a corner, and in a lot of ways they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. But whatever decisions they make, it has to be backed up with science, and then it has to be followed as them being the role models. And none of that was done, and that's where they've lost a lot of respect, and they've proved the fact that you can't trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, the the rebuttal to that or the refutation would be, come on, like this is the government and governments all around the world are doing similarish stuff. And if you take a look at, you know, who they've got around, you know, in and around them, they got the, they must have the best scientists. Look at Sage. Look at all these people. Like, come on, Jacqueline, like you're not a scientist. What do you know? So I know the the mainstream kind of perspective is look, I have to trust them because they're the smartest people in the room. But what I find really challenging about this situation is I think everyone, every man and his dog can say, I just can't logically compute some of these um, restrictions or easing measures. I just, I don't understand how we can do this, but we can't do that. And my answer to them is you can't understand it when you try and use the hypothesis, which is, this is a deadly virus that, in proximity, you're likely to die. Because if you use that, if you use that hypothesis, then, then it doesn't make any sense. If that hypothesis is broken, though, then it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. Because this is just drama. This is just um, acknowledging that, well, no, they don't want to acknowledge that they over, overstepped with lockdown and, and how long it sustained. They don't want to acknowledge that this was probably a mistake. They don't want to acknowledge that they've done anything wrong because governments never accept responsibility for mistakes. They will never come out and say, you know what? We're kind of fucked up. But now let's get let us get us back to normal. And as well as that, Jacqueline, they're dealing with struggling to get the genie back in a the bottle. They feared the bejesus out of everyone. So how can you go from there's near and present risk of your life to, oh, it's okay, go out and do what you want. They can't. They have to step down because they're trying to manage um, people's confidence levels to go and reintegrate into the world and their fear levels. So you can see why they're doing it. My wife constantly says, that this is why they're doing it. Mm. I always come back as the scientist and go, but that's bullshit, because it doesn't make any sense from a risk perspective.
1: It has to be logical. So, you know, I understand that they want to ease it because they... I've created a whole nation of people that are crippled in fear, so they need to ease it, but then it has to be logical. It's not logical to say you can't have a wedding reception, but we're going to open all the pubs. So you can't celebrate one of the most special days in your life, with all your friends and family that you've probably been around anyway, but you can go to the pub with complete strangers. There's no logic in this, and uh, if they are the smartest and best advisors in the world, then we really are screwed. <laughs> oh, really, I
0: know, I know, and and I guess I guess there's another thing that I think we need to bear in mind, right? We've got we've got hypotheses put out as as to you know the risks that we're facing, and then they get perpetuated through civil servants, right? So uh, like, for example, I'm on a committee of a swimming club for my daughter, fantastic swimmer, and she hasn't been swimming for the last four months and it's broken her heart and we've got no other means of swimming. So she just hasn't swum. And I've seen some of the suggested, recommended guidance coming through the various kind of bodies within swimming. And the suggestions are ludicrous, but (laughs) they are ludicrous as in it's unmanageable, it's unsustainable, in terms of how you can get kids into the pool with the, the restrictions they're placed. And I'm not going to go through them now, but they are ludicrous. But what you see, what I'm seeing is that so many people are so busy right now civil servants, jobs worths, people that go, oh, I've got to dot the I's and cross the T's. When you have to live in a world of two meters, right, social distancing, then everything they're doing makes sense if two meters means anything at all it makes mm. sense. And it's creating jobs for people. And they're being very busy. And they're proud that they've, you know, coined terms such as social distancing and one meter plus and all this nonsense. But I don't know, for me, if, if I was in one of those civil service jobs, I would not be proud of myself right now, because you are basically peddling faulty science, and you're trying to put it into recommendations and guidance as to how all these businesses and parts of our world should operate. It is sickening that people are following along. But here's the problem. If you if you believe the narrative at the top, then everything they're doing is perfectly sound and reasonable. But it, yeah. isn't, it doesn't make sense because the top, top line argument is broken and there are scientists all over the world from all different walks of discipline that can completely refute the headline, which is this is a deadly disease.
1: Well, this is where you have two walks of people with civil servants. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing the ones that have implicit faith in what they've been told implicit trust in what they've been told by the government Um, and they are going along with the guidelines regardless of the science they don't need to know the science the government said it that's fact that's what I'll do and then you have the people that are starting to question and be a little bit more logical in terms of their thinking and are seeing things for themselves so yesterday on my page I shared a post from anonymously from a consultant in a hospital and he was saying how it's a complete farce and these are all the things that have been going on in the hospital and I had a lot of people on the page saying that's not true that's not true but what started to happen is paramedics appeared on the page saying actually that is true that is what I'm seeing I didn't want to speak out but now I feel like I have to because I can't be complicit science silence is compliance and I can't be complicit in this any any longer you know, people are crippled with fear, people's lives are on hold, and some people have lost businesses, and some people are taking their own lives because of this situation. And that is because there wasn't enough people in the beginning that questioned. And you brought up the two metre rule. In other countries, it's never been two metres, it's always been one. So where's the science to say that, you know, this particular virus When it's in Australia, it will only get within a metre, but in the UK, it's two (laughs) metres. Where is this coming from? Um, I actually posted um, a message to Public Health England and asked them for the science behind that, and they haven't come back to me, funnily enough.
0: I'm surprised. (laughs)
1: um, You know, we can't make decisions that are affecting people's lives to such an an extent based on very little evidence. And we have to question. We have to question everything. And that's what more and more people are now starting to do. I'm seeing that now. I'm starting to see a bit of an awakening um, from especially from when I first um gained this following and started to get a lot of people comment on the post. I've even had the same names come back and say, "I thought you was nuts at first, but you're making a lot of sense now." Oh, so, that's great to hear. <laughs> there is there is a little bit of an awakening happening.
0: Oh, that's great to hear. Um, I, I wanted to uh, put something out there, see what you think about this. Um, you know, I'm in a relatively privileged position. You know, I've you know I've got got a nice house. I've got you know my kids are happy. You know, we we're good parents. We we know how we know how important education is, and my wife has gone above and beyond to make sure their homeschooling experience was as best as possible. You know, we've got enough money. You know, we're middle class, right? We're, 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 we're okay. We are okay. Um, and I know many people in my circle that have a similar existence. And I'm finding there to be such a cognitive dissonance of, mm-hmm. of this kind of, I'm okay, Jack. I'm okay with being laid off, furloughed, or working from home at 50% capacity. I'm okay with, you know, being able to walk the dog more and go for cycles at lunch. And I'm okay with this kind of like breathing space where the rat race was just too heavy for me. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I think what's missing in that is that you're not considering the people that are cooped up in houses which are too small, they don't have enough money, they don't know how they're gonna make ends meet, they're perhaps in you know volatile relationships, they might not be good parents to those kids. Kids are getting fuckle education over the last three months. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of darkness mm. in this quarantine or kind of house arrest model that we've been living through for the last three months. And I just find that there's 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 this implied compassion that everyone is feeling. I think dig deep a little bit deeper. And it's all about self. It's all about self. And it's like, I'm all right, Jack.
1: And, you know, that's why I really respect Simon Dolan, because um, Simon Dolan lives in Monaco. He's a multimillionaire. He didn't have to take the government to a judicial review. Um, in fact, when I've spoken to him, he has told me that it's going to cost him a million pounds personally, at least. Um, the judicial fund that he, uh, the crowdfunding, the crowd justice page, was only suggested to be set up by his barrister, Francis Hoare, who suggested it just to see what the public support would be like.
0: It was it a so quarter of a meal or something like that came through? Himself. Sorry? About a quarter of a meal have been, has been donated so far, something like that? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So they've just let that roll. He doesn't need it. And the lockdown, of course, wasn't affecting him to the extent that it will affect other people that may be in homes where there is domestic violence, domestic abuse going on, uh, poverty, lack of food, Um, they're cooped up in a flat, they've got no access to outside environment, all of those kind of things. not going to affect multimillionaire Simon Dolan but he still went ahead and done that and um, he's come under quite a lot of um, animosity for well you know this crowdfunding what does he need it for actually it wasn't even his idea it was his barristers and they just wanted to gauge public interest so I think that those people that are sitting comfortable and liking the fact that um, this has been a bit of extra time at home and etc We need we've got a social responsibility to think about the other people that this is not okay with and how if we say this bit's okay, what's next? What's going to come next? Because this is a process and we're only at the very beginning of this process. So if you are complicit in this bit, then you are allowing the next part to happen as well. Um, so, that, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Simon Dolan because he didn't need to do what he did, but he's done it nevertheless.
0: Yeah, I, I I too think he's doing an incredible job. I know he's not winning so far, but he's persistent. And um, his message around the kids and kids schooling yeah. and, you know, the, the legalities or lack thereof in how we basically stole three, four months of child development and, you know, schooling. And let's face it, it's not just about, you know, the maths and English stuff. It's about... Development, you know, at that age, everything is critical, how they form their worldview, their relationships, their social standing, you know, their anxiety or lack thereof. Like, all that stuff is so important in a school a school environment, a good school environment provides that. And when they're at home playing Fortnite all day long, mm-hmm. not, not being questioned by their parents that they have to do work and I know people personally have said Steve I've not pushed them to do any homework at all because it's just too difficult I don't really understand it I'm not interested they're not interested I'm just letting them have like a 3 month holiday it's and
1: not many parents it's not cool. many parents are still trying to work from home myself included and it's it's been a struggle to to make to have that window because it's a full time job to educate your children it's Absolutely. a full time job doing your job so you, you you're splitting yourself in half and no one wins then Uh, And it's, it's, there is no question in my heart that this lockdown was disproportionate, completely disproportionate. And I think it will kill more people than it saved.
0: Talk to me about censorship. Have you, have you seen it on, on, on others, others, other people's content? Do you think it's a problem? Uh, Do you think it's a good thing that there are certain messages in the world that are prevented from being shared to, prevent you know i get terrorism or you know sexual abuse online there's some, certain things we should not see and should not be perpetuated but what do you think about some of the censorship we've been seeing in and around anything to do with the virus especially if you mentioned vaccines or 5g or these other other ideas
1: uh i am infuriated by it the reason i'm infuriated so at the moment my posts are shadow banned on facebook um, which means that the algorithm changes so it only a very few percentage of my following will see it um and obviously they've done that because I don't know I don't understand why but I've not had a ban as yet (laughs) I probably should have with some of the stuff I've posted but I haven't I don't know whether because I have a big following they're using the page to kind of gauge public opinion I'm not sure who knows how they how their warped minds work but the thing that I find it so infuriating is because I'm posting information to allow people to make an informed choice. I'm not telling people what to do. I'm posting information. And it will get taken down or it will get shadow banned or um, people it will be reported. It, they say it's been reported and it's against community standards. Yesterday or the day before, I reported a page on child paedophilia um, called cute boys from around the world or something to that ilk. And um, because I then shared it on my Facebook page and said, look, everyone needs to report this. It's crazy. It's insane. They said that I was spamming and they took my post down. The the page still wasn't closed. In fact, the page is still up now. And so I think that all for censorship in terms of if there's a particular message that is can be damaging, but how mixed up are their priorities as a platform? If they want to take a post down about vaccinations, but they will not remove a page that supports childhood paedophilia, uh, it, ju- it just is insane. And I think it just shows them in the light that they they really are, and that and and that's that's concerning because the, the reason I find that concerning. I've been using that platform for an incredible long time. You know, what have I been supporting? What have I been part of?
0: Have you, have you been fact checked? Have you had any of your stuff with that? Yeah, um,
1: so daily, I will go on to the uh, friends block and block all the fact checks.
0: <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs>
1: um you've just got to go into your block list and you search under facts or check and the whole list will come up i have about 50 every day and you just block 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 and you have to do it daily because they'll come back so i don't get fact checked as much as other people do sharing similar content but obviously that's because i do that on a daily basis um but it has it has still happened it's still slipped through i mean they are on it and if you watched um Boris Johnson, speak at Garvey, the vaccine conference in London last month. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that they spoke about was clamping down on anti-vax information on social media platforms.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't buy that that should be necessary. I, I, I agree with you that we should have informed choice. Um, I, funnily enough, just watched Vaxed last night. I've not really been interested in this discussion until Brian Rose, who I think has been an incredible leader over the last four or five months and has set up his own censorship-free platform to get on people to speak their truth about things that otherwise would have got censored on YouTube. I think he's done an amazing job. He's had a lot of uh, anti-vaxxers or or people that are just against this idea of, you know, fast, quickly deployed, uh, widely deployed vaccines. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it's opened my eyes as a as a parent who has had their kids vaccinated to date with the very schedule that they have followed in the UK has absolut- absolutely got me concerned about the safety and the potential repercussions of mm-hmm. taking that insurance policy on my kids, which are otherwise healthy at the moment. Before we get and close on vaccines, and this is our segue into it, Jacqueline, what are your ideas related to the COVID crisis? So we've spoken about opinions and what's happening and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what do you believe um, is going on here? What do you think that the virus risk really is? Do you think that the government response is matching that risk what do you think about the data? You know, what do you think about maybe the the higher level motivations at play? Just give me your narrative. If you had to say, right, here's a minute or two to describe what I think is going on. What's going on in your head at the moment?
1: The key facts really are the, on the 19th of March, it was made no longer a a high consequence infectious disease, which is before we went into lockdown um, on the government website. So that brings about a whole heap of questions. Then you have Patrick Vallance saying that the death certificates have been very likely over-certified as COVID. So that questions the stats. Are we getting the correct stats? And then we have the fact that the government are coming out saying 30,000 tests have been false positives. So again, it brings into question the stats. And then we have the Office for National Statistics figures stating that only 1,000 people have died without underlying uh, health conditions. So, you know, we're not told that. We're pushed a very negative narrative and, you know, we're focusing on deaths. We're not focusing on age groups and we're not focusing on health conditions. Um, There's just no way that this can be as serious as they want us to believe. If it was, and this is the example I always use, we have people of all ages working in supermarkets across the country with no PPE, working amongst the general public day in, day out, and they are not dropping like flies. Why is that? Why do we not have any non-hazardous waste bins Hazardous waste bins outside of supermarkets when people come out and take their masks off, they're just putting it into a normal bin. If this was a a really virulent virus, strain of a virus, we would have to use hazardous waste bins. This, I mean, we just need to think logically about this, and nobody seems to because they're so cri- crippled by fear. I, I think it's completely disproportionate reaction. I'm, I will be totally honest, there's somebody in our family, um, she's my husband's um, grandma, she's 86, and um, she's very healthy for 86, but obviously she's in an at-risk category. And when this first all happened, everybody said to me, what should we do? Should we shield her? Shall we, what, 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 do you think it's nonsense? And I said, you know, let's just give it six weeks and let's see what happens with stats. Let's wait till we've got a little bit of benefit of hindsight. So even with my thought process regarding the government and why I don't trust them, I still did that because that is somebody that I care deeply about and I didn't want to advise them incorrectly. Now we have the benefit of of hindsight and the stats. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Obviously, people can make their own choices, but I believe what should have been done is those that were vulnerable and felt the need to shield, should have shielded, where other people can carry on with their lives. Um, that, that's where I would be at with it. But obviously they cover their own backs and they act upon a um, gut instinct according to inc- extremely exaggerated figures mm. just because they don't want to save us, but they want to save themselves.
0: Yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of fear at every level. I think there's fear in the in the government about their own existence as a party, as an individual. And I think that is predominantly the driver in all their behavior, which is how do I protect our status, our position? Uh, we don't want to revolt against us. Unfortunately, though, it's happening. You know, I could I could see an alternate world, Jacqueline, where we had a courageous leader at the helm, someone who's willing to speak their truth, someone who's willing to say, I look at Sweden, I've got nothing but respect for their leadership in this I- environment. Have they got everything right? No. Could they, would they have replayed it slightly different? I'm sure, but they were willing to go against the whole world's perspective on, hey, if in doubt, lockdown, if in doubt, go go over the overboard because it looks like as if you're compassionate and you're doing the right thing, even though the stats, the science, the smartest people in the world, Nobel laureates are saying the lockdown had no effect as to who died and how this has played out. it really has had almost zero effect. And I wish I had a leader that could confess to that or observe that or courageously lead from the front and say, we've got this. And this is how we're going to do it. Follow the model. You just said, Jacqueline, which is people that are in higher risk categories. And we might have taken three, four, five weeks to identify that. But once we did, we should have pivoted as opposed Mm -hmm. to this protracted drama. Right, quite frankly, which is we can't admit that we were wrong. So let's keep playing this out so people don't question that lockdown was completely unnecessary. Now, I know there are lots of people that are questioning it, um, but they're being ridiculed as callous, barbarian. uh, It's it's not about it's not about you. It's about us. Like it, we can't do it, this this in isolation. We're either doing this all as a country. We're not. You know, had there you not wear a mask? Had there you suggest that people should be able to go out? Like there's just a lot of shaming and judgment and yeah, hate going on. When what that individual who's hating you online is expressing is that they're expressing that they're a caring person. You're a caring person, but you're hating on me right now. That doesn't feel like care.
1: Mm it's it the the divide the divide has been huge um and that's been the scariest thing for me the divide that's been they've been able to create with the people that were just willing to accept everything that they were told to do and then the others that have this challenge around it that's been quite i'm more frightened of that than any virus
0: talk to me about right so we're going to get into conspiracy theory land now right and i I acknowledge that full-on so you know, let's let's acknowledge that you and I don't know everything and therefore anything we say here on in is speculation. But if you had to kind of cobble together a broader quote unquote agenda, do you think there is a broader agenda at play? Do you do you believe there are powers at play that are taking advantage of the situation and that, that this is part of a broader effort to, yeah. to do something like if 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 you do feel that way? Speak up. If you don't, just say, hey, no comment and we'll move on.
1: No, I do. I feel that, um, and this is purely speculation at this point, but I feel that the governments, the, not just ours, governments around the world have wanted to bring about some significant changes to structure um, for a very long time. But if they want started to change the things they want to change without a reason, there would be mass opposition. So therefore, they've brought the reasoning um, under the guise of COVID-19 and they have now been able to start the process of changing some things that are quite significant. So I believe that this may be um, a push for a cashless society, one world currency, where we will have all of our finances controlled um, online which means that we can be really severely controlled as people. Um, health passports, and we've seen a lot of talk of that. Um, and in terms of the cashless society, you only need to look now at the amount of shops that are now not accepting cash. Like it's almost they're trying to get it out of circulation. Um, the health passports, there's been a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of tech companies that have come forward and said that it's something that they're working on. Um, health passports will mean that we have have to have proof that we are up to date on things like our vaccine schedule before we can enroll in a school, go on on an airplane, use public transport. Um, I think that is something that they've wanted to do. You've only got to look at the ID2020 website, um, which uh, is part of the Gates Foundation, where they've wanted to use nanotechnology for health passports. So that's why this idea has come in that the COVID-19, when it comes, will be mandated and will be a chip, and that will have the health passport in it. I think that's a while off if that's gonna come. But I can see how it could evolve to that if we're going to go down the route of health passports and mandated vaccines.
0: Okay. And what, what do you, what's your position on the opportunism of deploying vaccines at scale? Not just to kids, because that's really really where we focus most of our vaccine efforts to date. Uh, mm. as as a weld I know we have flu jabs etc cetera, etc cetera, for the elderly but for the most part it's a, it's a child schedule uh, this now brings upon a new dawn which is the opportunity to vaccinate multiple times throughout their lifetime mm-hmm. on various various illnesses or infectious disease such as COVID-19 do you see some opportunism being expressed here That like here's our chance to crack into a more adult schedule of vaccination
1: yeah, and I've, and I've already seen that in the Provax world. I've seen um, comments like, well, if this is the world without one vaccine, that's why we need so many of them. Um, and in, in my opinion, this is the world with many vaccines, because if you look at the stats in terms of who this is affecting, who it's affecting most is people with underlying medical conditions. What do vaccines do? They overstimulate an immune system. So that's where underlying medical conditions can come from so perhaps there wouldn't be so many people with underlying medical conditions if there wasn't such a vast vaccine schedule that has quadrupled in the last 20 years so uh yeah, it is a massive opportunity for them i think it's it, they've created the perfect storm to start pushing forward with this um, and i have shared a lot of uh, this is this is not just my opinion i've shared lots of um links and spreadsheets from web various websites government websites where they've had um lots of huge meetings about how they're going to really push on with this um, and shared the notes to these meetings and the minutes and that is definitely how it's going with health passports they even talk about managing um anti-vax um opposition online so um yeah this has been a long time coming
0: yeah. I mean I, I do find this whole vaccine world a world that I've not dipped into at all. You know, we've 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 even vaccinated our kids or uh, both of them. Yeah, both of them with chickenpox a couple of years ago and we thought we were doing the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone who vaccinates their kids they believe they're doing the right thing. That now if, if I'm if I'm honest, you know my kids are vibrant, they're healthy, you know, they're not expressing, you know, the you know autism. You know, one of my daughters has some social anxiety. They've got a couple of little issues, but not, nothing much. They're healthy, vibrant kids. We look after them. We do the best we can with nutrition and lifestyle. Um, so I don't know. And here's here's the problem with vaccines. You just don't know. You don't know mm. if your kid is less smart than the rest of their class because they're less smart. Or are, have they had four or five points knocked off of their IQ, perhaps because of some decisions you made early on in their development? You you don't know. And it's definitely opened my eyes up to i guess the lack of double blind testing and yeah. the lack of liability and those two things scare the hell out of me because i won't i won't touch allopathic medicine generally i don't take paracetamol don't take par- uh, ibuprofen i don't want to take antibiotics i don't want to take anything unless you know it's critical care it's acute my, my leg's hanging off and there's yeah. there's a means to you know save me or you know take the dull the pain but for the most part i'm not relying on medicine yet that medicine has gone through a billion dollar you know program of proper testing proper data analysis Um, you know, and a a war fund for uh, injury claims, etc. But it's gone through a massive process to be proved FDA approved and be willing to be put out into the marketplace. Vaccines don't seem to offer or have the same rigor because of, I guess, the vaccine industry going, look, hey, if you want us to move at pace for you to be able to vaccinate at the schedule and to be able to meet the demands of infectious diseases as and when they pop up, we need to move faster And we can't take the hit if, in moving fast, we create some injuries on the back end. And And it's scary.
1: Bill Gates said that himself on BBC News. He said compromises will have to be met if we want to get a vaccine out quickly. And we only need to look at the last pandemic, which was swine flu, where they pushed out a vaccine. And they've had millions of compensation paid out for narcolepsy, which it induced in children and adults. So that just goes to show, and for for them, it's collateral damage, because this makes a hell of a lot of money. So, you know, that little bit of compensation that has to be paid out is worth it, but it's not worth it. And my biggest concern with vaccines is, as you've said, it's the the lack of testing, the legal, the fact that pharmaceutical companies are given legal immunity. So if you do have a death or a damaged, um, if your child dies through a vaccine or, um, or they they re- they receive damage and it's proved so it has to be proven which is very difficult and Vars scheme which it is very difficult because lots of times the doctors dismiss the fact that it was vaccine related so I'll give you an example of that um, sudden infant death syndrome is a listed side effect on the eight week baby jabs and. Nobody tells you that. If they had told me that before I was to take my baby for a vaccine, there's no way I would have gone through with it. But nobody tells you that. No one gives you the insert to read, first of all. And so, if a baby dies of sudden infant death syndrome, even though they've received a vaccine recently, it goes down on the death certificate as sudden infant death syndrome. It's not vaccine related. So that's not in the stats. That's not seen as a vaccine death. So there, and there's a lot of things that come out a lot later on so that, you know, allergies, intolerances, eyesight issues, autoimmune conditions, fertility issues. They're carcinogenic. So cancers, they're not going to be seen as vaccine issues either because they've appeared a lot later. But when you inject a virus instead of ingest it. You are bypassing the main part of the immune system, which is in the gut, because you are going directly into the bloodstream. And all that leaves is an over compromised immune system. It's going to be very confused and it's going to be overstimulated. And that's where we we go into the domain of autoimmune conditions.
0: And I've I've also heard, I'm sorry, I've had had a guy on our show, Dr. David Minkoff, that um, my naivety, my vaccine naivety, he, he explained what adjuvants are, right? Which are these additives that are added in, not just for the fun of it, they're added in because the virus or the part of the virus that's being um, being injected isn't enough to um, create enough of an immune response. They have to add, effectively poisons, things that are mm-hmm. going to agitate the body to the point of going, ah, get this shit out. And in and doing so, of- they create that immune receptors. response.
1: A lot of cases, they're heavy metals. Um, for which is a derivative of mercury, so they'll, you'll, you'll read online now because online censoring is huge with it when it comes to vaccines. Um, you'll read online that mercury's been taken out of vaccines, but there's a derivative for Um Aluminium which, as well, I
0: think, is in there. In yeah, some
1: absolutely. Of them, and, that, and, and these things have the capability of bypassing the blood-brain barrier. We also have to look at the fact that when they bypass the blood-brain barrier, that's when they can cause behavioral issues. So I know Andrew Wakefield's study, they say has been debunked, but you have to understand that any any doctor that speaks out about this will be vilified, debunked, deregistered, but there is so much evidence into this. Now, I'm not saying that every case of autism is caused by vaccines, because we have to look at gene mutations as well, such as the MTHFR gene. but there are a significant amount, especially in boys, because boys have a thinner blood-brain barrier. Right. So if boys have a thinner blood-brain barrier, and there's also more autism in boys. Why are we not making the link and doing the research? You know, any, where there's, whenever there's smoke, there could be fire. And when it comes to our children, we should be investigating that. But we're not. And the reason we're not is because it makes far too much money for them, not because there's no risk, but because it's making far too much money. And that is putting profits before health. And that is not acceptable. The the, the lack of long term studies as well, you know, not just the short term studies and the double blind testing, but the long term side effects. They're, they're non-existent. There's honey, um,
0: There's no surveillance, is there? There's no like, OK, let's give... A million kids this vaccine and then follow them for 20 years. It's after that effect, granted, but at least let's do that surveillance and go in 20 years' time, are there any strong correlations? We're not doing we that really, can are we? Now.
1: We can do those studies now because we've had them around long enough. So we should be able to do them. So why are we not? Um the the, the thing that makes me laugh the most, especially in this current situation, is that there are some vaccines, MMR, virus, L yellow fever, rotavirus and flu mist, that shed. So shedding means that they're a live attenuated virus and they have the uh, possibility of shedding. So in the flu mist, which is sprayed in primary school children um, up the nostril, and that is a live attenuated virus. So that sheds in 89% of children for up to 28 days. So that means that these children are walking around asymptomatic carriers of the flu. Do we lock down each every year when our kids have the flu mist sprayed into their nostrils? No, we do not. Do we shield? No, we do not. And that is a virus that's actually been given to them, not one that they could possibly get because it's out there. Like the bogeyman. <laughs> this is why there's no congruency in this current situation. When you look at the fact that every year we spray our children with a live virus and we don't go into complete meltdown, lockdown, shielding mode. Um, it's it's crazy. I mean, I could go on forever about vaccines. My MRC five cells. Have you heard about MRC five cells being used in vaccines? So that that's aborted fetal tissue. Right. Um, so that's <laughs> That's tissue from from abortions that's used in vaccines that are being injected into our children with no, next to no research. Very, very minimal research into the effects of human health. And because it's a recent addition, the long-term effects of human health as well. There's just, there's so much. It's it's frightening. And it's something that I've researched consistently for 10 years. Uh, And I was like you. I took absolutely no judgment at all. I took my um, now 12-year-old, to um have her first set of baby jabs and within 20 minutes she had fit and that's the day i started researching mm-hmm. and i haven't really stopped since to tell you the truth it's been something that i constantly am looking at new research comes out new studies um not very often that the studies are coming out that are um completely unbiased they're usually done by some kind of pharmaceutical agency um which is really disappointing um, it's, it's, it's what,
0: what about just, your What about your, yeah, without going into much detail, if you, if you look at both your, you've got two daughters, right?
1: Yes, yes, uh, I have. The
0: second daughter, I guess, hasn't had any vaccinations no, at all? she's
1: vaccine-free.
0: And is she doing all right?
1: She is way healthier, um, in terms of, so my youngest it, um, is completely vaccine-free. The only thing that she had was vitamin K at birth, which I didn't even realise was a vaccination at that time. I believed it was a vitamin, Oh. Uh, but I had her three years after, so I was still quite early on into my research. Um, So she had that. But other than that, nothing. She has a very strong immune system. If she gets something, she gets over it very, very quickly. Whereas my eldest doesn't. She's recently had glandular fever. She had that at Christmas. Um, She's always got reoccurring tonsillitis. She carries a lot of streptococcus and staphylococcus. I know that because of the um, equipment I use for diagnosis for my own clients. Um and these are these are I I believe we, we, we can't know categorically because the studies don't exist, they're not there. But who's to say that this is not linked to the fact that she was vaccinated and had such a severe toxic reaction to it? The other thing is she has quite a strong dairy allergy, which is very, very common in children. Um, especially now we have such a heavy vaccine schedule.
0: So when when the average person listens to this, and I think people that don't want to listen to this wouldn't even click to play, right? So I guess we've 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 kind of we've narrowed the audience somewhat to the people that are willing to have this conversation, but they're listening to this and going, Yeah, 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 I get all of this stuff. But now you're hitting on this vaccine thing, and I just can't believe that um, governments, leaders all around the world, philanthropists, pharmaceuticals are knowingly harming our children which become adults which become you know people that have either less intelligence or have autism or have conditions throughout their life like i can't imagine that something that is so vital quote-unquote vital to modern day life like we must have all of these vaccines otherwise you know all hell would break loose how could they be wrong
1: I I don't know what their motives are, apart from again, Tim hat population control, making lifelong customers for the pharmaceutical agencies, because they obviously have a lot of toxicity in them, which overstimulates the immune system. If you look on a, um, a vaccine insert, if you look at thirteen point one, is the is the note on the vaccine insert, and that talks about not tested for carcinogenic properties. So who knows um, what their long-term goal is with this under-testing. Maybe it's just about making profits, and they don't really care about the, the side effects, and they just see it as collateral damage. Um, I can't answer because I don't think like that. Um, but what I do know is that when I started my research, the one of the very first books I read was by Dr. Susan Humphreys, and it was called Dissolving Illusions. And what she talks about is Diseases like polio and measles, um, how they actually were on the, the decline way before the vaccine came out for them. And that when you speak to people and say, well, we wouldn't have got rid of diseases like polio if it wasn't for vaccines. Actually, that's not the case. And her book is amazing because it documents and gives so much reference to the information that she's found out that can prove that. So if anybody's on the fence with this, it is an amazing book to start with, to really open your eyes to um, how this has been. Um, driven as a profit-making industry, as opposed to uh, virology and hoping to eradicate infectious diseases, I don't actually believe that the vaccine industry has ever been about that.
0: Do you think there are any vaccines that are tried and true and are, are staples that we should go? do You know what? If I get tetanus, I need I need a tetanus vaccine. If you know, I, I, I don't. I know so little about vaccines. I don't know which ones there are. But do you think there are some ones which are? Um, You're more trustworthy, proven, and, you know, should not be met with so much caution.
1: In this current vaccine schedule, there are no, in my opinion, after 10 years of research, safe and effective vaccines. None. And some of them are far worse than others. So the ones that I would put on in in that category would be the HPV, um, which is Gardasil, and um, uh, the flu mist, the the flu spray that we give to children.
0: You would say they're they're not safe.
1: They are the worst too, in the my opinion. Two. But there there are there are none that are safe and effective because the studies are lacking, the um, the reporting of of death and damages is lacking, the um, the list of ingredients, the toxicity, the MRC five cells, the lack of studies around that, um, the the question, the fact that the fact that they're given legal immunity. You know these. These organisations that are producing these vaccines, these big companies, I've been given legal immunity. So if you do have any damages, it's not the it's not the company that pays out. It's the government. The government have a a, a vaccine damage compensation fund.
0: Is that, that, they is pay that out. true in the UK as well? I know that's true in yes, the US. Absolutely. Is it same over here as well?
1: Yep, same in the UK. Right. So. Let's just put a spin on that. And, you know, you're just about to have your first baby and you want to give it absolutely the world. And you go into mother care and you say, right, give me the best car seat. And they say, this is the car seat that everybody has. Everybody has this because they believe it keeps the baby the safest. Just need to tell you, though, that if you do have an accident in this car seat, that the company that makes it's got legal immunity and you can't sue them. Are you going to put your baby in that car seat still? You wouldn't. You would look for an alternative yeah so we we need to be given this information to make again an informed choice And this is my biggest bugbear about medicine. We are just told that's the vaccine schedule. These are the days to turn up and off you go. We're not given the information. Some doctors, if you ask for it, they might give you a little bit of information, but it's not much. It's definitely not about legal immunity and SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, being on the insert. You know, these are facts that we need to know. We need figures. We need facts. We need need research. We need testing. We need long-term studies. And none of that exists. It's to me, there's too many red flags. And until they start looking at this stuff, then I will I will never allow vaccines to come anywhere near myself or my children. And I've educated them enough so that they will be. Saying no to them too, because I don't know if you know, but the HPV jab is now given to children in year eight, and at that age, the Gillick competency law comes into play. So, Gillick competency law means the child is of an age where they can overrule parental consent. Oh. So therefore, they go into school, you've said, no, I don't consent to the vaccine. They show the children a video of a young girl dying of cervical cancer. And then they ask them if they want to have the vaccine. And they, if they say yes, the parental consent doesn't matter because of the Gillick competency law. It's, it's astounding. It really is.
0: Wow. You've, you've blown my mind with, with this stuff. Thank you so much for today. It's been a really lovely conversation. I, I, look, it's just great to speak to like-minded individuals, not because I want to be in an echo chamber, but I enjoy having conversations that people are critical thinkers, looking at things differently. Um, before we just completely wrap up, I just want to make sure that you feel that you've had an appropriate platform to say the things that you were hoping to say have we covered everything or is there any kind of No,
1: absolutely and, and thank you because it's a con this, some of the stuff I talk about is controversial most people want to steer away from it so I'm really really pleased that you invited me on and you've given me a voice to be able to speak about this stuff thank you
0: no, you're, you're more than welcome let people know where they can connect with you online follow you and check out your offerings because I know you have you have a book and you have some other bits and pieces do you just want to your little plug.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you. So um, I'm on mindandbodydetox.co.uk. Um, Jacqueline Dunn on Facebook. I am Jacqueline Dunn on Instagram. And um, my book is Mind Body Miracle, and that's available on Amazon.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And is there any anything coming up during the course of this year Uh, that you are planning? I know lockdown has thrown everything out of sorts, but is there any kind of plans that people should be aware of in terms of next big milestones that you're hoping to be able to let the world know about?
1: The the next big milestone is the next book, which is actually called Killing Me Softly. It's going to be all the things that we do to our children out of love, but it's actually harming them.
0: Okay, cool. And you're, you're just working through trying to get publishers to support that and get out into the yeah,
1: world. Yeah, so I um I've got a literary agent at the moment who is again because it's a very controversial subject there aren't many publishers that are keen to publish that one but she's I guess the following has helped so thank you if you follow me because you might help me get this published and get this information out there and obviously there will be a huge chapter on vaccines in that book.
0: Got it. Great. Well listen Thank you so much for today. Keep doing what you're doing, leading from the front. You know, being a critical thinker, opening people's eyes, not um, pushing your own positions in terms of actions on people, but giving people an opportunity to have informed. Uh, decisions and just have that nuance that nuance that people don't get to see you you're doing absolutely great work you're also a platform for other individuals that want to get their voice out so thank you for supporting us over the last couple of months too because that has helped us reach more people keep doing what you're doing Uh, this will come out very shortly and hopefully we can keep in touch
1: thank you steve thanks a lot take care
0: Well, just before you go, I want to know two things from you if you would be so kind. Firstly, how did you find the episode? Was it insightful? Was it practical? Has it got you thinking about things differently? If so, do us a huge favor, please. And write us up a quick review in your podcast app, whether it be on Apple or Google, Spotify, Stitcher or any other podcast platform. And secondly, have you checked out the Be Your Best Journey yet? If you haven't, That's cool, but go to adaptnation.io or click the link within the show notes and just take a look around. See how we put together the messaging as to the value of this online course and program. And if you've got any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. And if you're interested about it, then hey, there's no time like the present. Get involved. It's 100 days of personal growth and self-development. I am sure you're going to get a lot of value from it. Anyway, until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best if you enjoy this show please consider leaving us a five-star review on itunes it really helps and of course recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show feel free to get in touch with us via our website adaptnation.io or your favorite social media channel This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.